Hello and welcome back to Hindsight is 5050. I'm the host J-Rod with my co-host, the ORG old retired guy. Dad, how you doing? I'm doing really good, Jared. We're, you know, we're we're in the in the heart of the college football season. Had a hell of a big weekend last weekend. I have three grandkids that are now in preschool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Your your oldest boy, Jacob's daughter, who is his oldest, uh, Juliana, and um, and Joe's daughter, Montana, who's his oldest, along with your son JJ, they're all in preschool. That's, that's I didn't know cool. Montana was in preschool. Yep, yep. She goes two days a week. JJ I... goes two days a week, right? Yes, yes. And so then... JJ is currently in like the threes group. So there's threes, well, there's threes, fours, and then there's threes and fours. And he's in the blended group of threes and fours. And that's for kids with his type of birthday where it's, you know, right around the start of the season. Yep. And the reason they do that is because only some of his days will be shared with the older kids and some of his days will just be with his own age group. But if he excels with the older kids, they would recommend that next year he skips fours and just goes to young fives, which essentially is an all week program that is going to be familiar teachers and, and a little bit more fun activity, but a warm up for kindergarten. Well, and you now, now how does he, how does he like it? What, what, what's the feedback you get? He loves he, it. I, oh, he's excited all week to go. Um, um, he can't wait. And, and Jamie Jameson likes to ride in the car and drop him off and then go pick him up. He gets all excited because, you know, <laughs> they get separated for a little bit for once. So Jameson yeah. comes home and, you, you know, I don't know how everyone manages media and, and all that with, with their kids. But with me, I... I understand that they're going to grow up in a very screen-driven world. Everything's going to be on a screen. So I'm not as TV will rot your brain as other people are. Now, we make sure to go outside. I I would say the least amount of outside time a day would be three hours, and that's a rarity. Usually it's the majority of the day we're outside. Now, how are you going to do that in winter? We'll have to figure it out. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I mean, there's going to be sledding and playing and all that, but when there's not sledding, we'll have to figure out something else to get, you know, them warm, or we'll at least probably do arts and crafts in the garage. And I, if I need to get a space heater, I will. Um, recently we built birdhouses and stuff, but I can get into that in a minute. But anyways, um, I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. No, he, he he loves school, and 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 you said you you were talking about screen. Oh yes, yeah. so so our kids are outside a lot, um, and so I'm not as worried about them being on the screen. My thing is more uh, attention driven. So not only do I not let them, you know, grind the same shows to death because I want them to learn different things and not just pick up the habits of certain characters they see in a show, but also only learn the same five elements of life because they're watching the same episodes over and over. Um, But I also 
get concerned with length of time. So um, one thing they love to watch is Mickey Mouse, but JJ's been watching it for years, the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And so now we've switched him over to Bluey, and, and Bluey has a lot more problem-solving skills that are not pull a random tool out of my hat and it magically fixes it, which Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is. It actually goes through like people's feelings and solving the problems. And it, honestly, to any parents out there with little kids, it is great to watch it with your kids because it will help you with parenting regardless of how good of a parent you are. It reminds you of the little things and the times you need to be patient or you don't remember how it affects a little kid's feelings and just all those little things. It's really cool how the show works. But in that case, they're 12 to 13 minute episodes. So I only let them watch a couple and then I make them watch a movie if they're going to watch TV because I want to focus on something long term and not have something brand new every 12 minutes because I know my kids are going to be in a screen driven world. But fighting the open acceptedness of ADD nowadays, it, it, it's something I don't, I don't agree with how we tolerate ADD. It's like we all need to focus and help each other be able to focus on one task, however long it takes, and not have to switch and then have kids who are all sporadic brain. I know they're kids, but... I think a huge part of it's that so much stuff transitions, they are unable to focus for a long period of time. So when it comes to screen time, I will make them pick movies, watch certain movies. Obviously, we try not to repeat the same ones all the time, but it's to get them into the plot of a movie and focus on that one movie for an hour and a half instead of, oh, the subject changed every 12 minutes. So... um on that note, because JJ's going to preschool now, that allows Jameson to watch Mickey Mouse because I don't really allow Mickey Mouse anymore because JJ's watched it for so long. You can almost see a regression in his behavior and things like he's a little kid again. I mean, he's still a little kid, but like he's a toddler again when he watches that show. So. I keep it out of the house until JJ goes to preschool. And when we come home, that's Jameson's time to, if he chooses to play outside, we'll play outside. If he chooses to watch Mickey Mouse, he can watch Mickey Mouse. And he gets so excited. And so it makes it a really good, fun day for everybody because JJ's excited for school. He's, I mean, the kid's a social butterfly. His teachers are in love with him. And, and he always loves more and more company. And so school's been a great experience. He hasn't had any real trouble. He got scratched in the face by a kid over a toy, but that wasn't even a big deal. Um, and, and then Jameson loves going to pick him up. He gets excited because he misses him. But he also knows that when JJ goes to preschool, he gets to watch Mickey Mouse. So it makes it kind of a good morning for everybody. And, said, and currently, it's JJ's only at preschool for two hours. You said that um, three hours. Sorry. You have them doing, you know, you're going to be doing crafts. But you also said you guys didn't. You guys just recently built some birdhouses. Yeah, we did. So um, Home Depot, like one weekend a month, uh, where we used to live. I don't know if they do it around here or not, but they would do arts and crafts that were free with kids. So you just signed up your kid, and then you would show up and build things. Um, 
at Home Depot it was various different things but the weekend that I was supposed to go I unfortunately couldn't but they still gave us the kit because you know JJ was signed up and so um, JJ and I built that birdhouse the little thin Home Depot one and, and it turned out very well it was super simple it was a lot of fun and I would highly recommend it to anyone because it was very much a little kid project. I mean, it turned out to be a nice birdhouse, but he was able to help a lot. Um, then cool. we have we have a second birdhouse that's, you know, real softwood, nails, wood glue, all kinds of stuff like that. And it says it's you know, nine plus or something like that. So it's a little too much for JJ. Well, it's a little too much for any kid. I mean, you've got to hand sand all the wood, but the wood was warped, so you've got like planing that needs to be done. Um, the the sanding it was too rough on some of the edges to be able to do it just by hand. And you've got to drive nails, and they were the worst nails I've ever used. And I've been I've been hitting nails my whole life, and I was going crazy. Like, did I forget how to hit nails? Um, <laughs> and I mean, for anyone out there who doesn't necessarily believe me obviously i you know helped you whenever you asked me for help with nails but we used to drive stakes in the ground for the trees that we planted i used to nail grandpa's fence and then when i worked for a landscaping company i drove nails in the ground for garden beddings then after that i worked on a drill rig where i hit pins in all day and when i wasn't doing that i was grade staking driving stakes into the ground so it's I know how to hit something on the head. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and, and these nails would go through the first piece of wood, and when the point, and I would see that it was straight, when the point would go to the second piece of wood, it was such a soft nail, it would, like, J-hook on me. It looked like a fish hook. <laughs> and in two different times, I had the nail straight through an entire piece of wood, and it did a 90-degree turn and split the second piece of wood. Hmm. So that part was frustrating and a learning curve, but, you know, I'm sure it was good for me, obviously, for my patients, but JJ got to work with me through the struggles on that, which was fun. And we just finished building that one, but it did come with a painting kit. So both of the boys uh, will either paint that with Melissa or myself later today. So that should be a lot of fun. And and those are the type of things that... um, I think we'll be able to do in the winter. I know one of my personal goals projects wise is to uh, get a lathe, just a small scale lathe and and be able to do some woodwork. And I'd love to be able to share that with the boys. Well, yeah. And I, and I think I always think those things are good um, for a kid to learn. And nobody knows skill trades anymore. I don't, dude, I am not a carpenter. I'm not. I'm not a mechanic, but I enjoy doing those things. I I was sitting there thinking today about making the making the boys a a table similar to the table that we have for the piano room, because you know I'm sitting here at a computer stand that I built. I built it last summer. I built it in a day. Took me another couple hours on another day to sand it and 
to uh, I put a coat of varnish on it, but and it's not. Don't get me wrong; it's not Ethan Allen or anything, but um, it's functional. The one thing I can do is build something where it it won't fall down. I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, it might I'm not, not be s- super polished, but it's sturdy. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. Yeah, yeah. and then <laughs> well, I'll and take sturdy I, all day. That's what I can do. But yeah, I was actually thinking about that. But that's good. I mean, I, I just think that's good for kids. Like you said, it's a it's a diversion from the in front of any kind of a screen. It's lots of times an outdoor project in your learning practical skills. And I can't tell you how many and things. you're making work fun. Yeah, I can't tell you. Yes. And I can't tell you how many things that I've fixed. I can't fix everything. But, man, I've fixed a lot of stuff. Well, and even. Go ahead. Stuff. Sorry. No, that's okay. Go ahead. Even even the little things uh, like yard work and stuff, you know, obviously my kids aren't going to drive the zero turn mower, but they they can still help me with certain things. So w- with JJ right now, I don't want to risk him, you know, getting dog poop everywhere and all that. But I have him walk around the yard with me because I want him to spot it and and have him learn how to spot the dog poop so they step in it less. But also, as he starts to get older, he'll just go out and scoop it up if he sees one that we missed. Um, but but you had refinished a wagon that you've had for years that you yeah. used to have and pull behind your mower. And yeah. excuse me, with my zero turn, I don't have the trailer attachment yet. It's not an expensive part, and I can buy it. But I, you gave me that wagon, and I couldn't hook it up. But even little things like that, they get to see some sort of solution i'm not saying it's the perfect one but just problem solving where you know we we've got big trees in our yard and sticks fell down from the storm and what we've been dealing with for weeks now is a lot of twigs and and branches broke in the trees but they're hung up in the trees and they fall down when it's windy and so we go pick up sticks every day i mean you'd think we had 80 million trees but it's just falling down over time and I had that wagon, we need to pick up the sticks, but I don't have an attachment for the wagon. So I went inside, I got a carabiner, just a little clip carabiner. I hooked it on an old lanyard I had, and I clipped it right through the rings of the tongue of that trailer. And then we're walking around with that trailer, and it's just got a little lanyard handle, and we're putting all the sticks on it, but they're just learning one more way to fix it. And I've noticed they will wrap whether it's a string or they've actually found an old lanyard before around like one of their wagons when it loses the handle (laughs) and and they're starting to pick up those things. And I really enjoy it. I mean, it's just, I I know it's silly and it's not a perfect fix by any means, but even them just learning how to solve little problems like that, I, I really enjoy it. And because I'm able to spend the time with them, even if we're outside with toys, I give them the opportunity to fix their own toy when they break it. And I don't just go fix the problem for them. And I notice them trying to fix it more and more now. Oh yeah. I would, I would imagine JJ is way into that. And, and Jameson certainly is going to be watching and, you know, doing the same kind of thing. But like you said, when you do the, I believe I'm a firm believer that when you do this, and you make it fun, or as fun as you can, 
the learning experience is exciting for them and the fact that they're doing something with dad or in my case doing something with grandpa um you know i've said before jj is a great helper and all i do is i tell him exactly what we're gonna do it's like and i'm gonna need you to do this part and he listens intently and he's so excited to help and um uh, like I said, those days you we've talked about it before. Those days don't last forever. So you wanna, you know, in my case, um, um, I just I think those are good things. I I really do. I think those are good things for young kids, and and again for a lot of different reasons, and and they're good, and it's good for me too. Um, it's good for you too, because. <clears throat> If you're smart about it, you it helps you with your patience tremendously. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, and and I, I've been, it's been really hard for me with that that little car. You know, we got a, a electric car for the kids, and it's, you know, JJ's driven it several times. Juliana's driven it a couple times. Montana drove it last week. What well, a Saturday. By the time that they, you know, by the time JJ had driven it a couple times, it's like, I need to relax. And that's, don't get me wrong, I wasn't hounding him, but I was saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, <laughs> don't do that. No, don't do that. It's, it's like, tough I'm, to let them make their own mistakes, though, especially because yeah. you don't want them to, one, you don't well, want anything of yours ruined. But two, well, you true. don't want them to get hurt. And and so, right. you know, like the boys, they, they ride their bikes up into the garage when I'm in there and I hate it. And I've asked them not to a couple of times, but the other day I, you know, they weren't listening. And so I just let them do it. And JJ rides up, tips over. And when he tips over, he catches the corner of my lawnmower with his head. I didn't let him fall hard enough that anybody bled or there were any bad bruises, but it made a loud ding and it scared the crap out of him. And I'm sure it stung a little bit, but he doesn't ride his bike in the garage anymore either. And I, and I've done that with him because several times he will be going a direction and not looking the direction he's going and he falls down he doesn't listen or he'll, you know, walk with you on the grass. And then we get to the pavement or the concrete and he starts running, and then when he falls, it hurts. And it's like, there's a reason we tell you, but if I keep stopping you and I don't let you make the mistake, you're never going to learn. Well, and, and, and that's fair. I, I just, you know, we've got a lot of topics to cover, and yeah. that's a good one. But I know you had on here, and I, you know, I know this is an awkward segue, <laughs> but. You had on the the show prep list that you wanted to uh, talk about college football rankings. So yeah, I, I mean, just college football in general, but okay. just touching on the rankings. I, you know, I didn't know uh, how you felt about the rankings or not. I didn't know if you had looked between the different sources. I, I saw on ESPN that Florida State was ranked second, but in the AP top twenty-five, they're ranked fifth. Um, and obviously, you and I have talked about it before, teams jump around, especially this early on in the season when, you know, a lot of undefeateds are going to get their first loss. 
Um, but I, you know, the night of all of the big college games, Michigan dropped from second to sixth, and USC had dropped from I don't even know if it was like fourth to eighth or whatever the case was. But I, I just noticed a lot of movement, and things seemed to settle and shake, shake out the way I think they should at least. But right now we've got it sitting at Georgia one, Michigan two, Texas three. Ohio State 4, Florida State 5, Penn State 6, Washington 7, USC 8, Oregon 9, and Utah 10. So that's the top 10 with Notre Dame coming in ahead of Alabama at 11 with their one loss to Ohio State this week. I what how do you feel about that? Do you have any issues with the rankings? You know, um, is because there anything it's you change? So, because it's so early, I don't I mean, I think this is reasonable. I think, I tell you what, and I, you know, I don't like to say this because I'm not a big James Franklin guy. I think Penn State's really good. I think Washington is really good. That Michael Pennock, I've liked him, or it's either Pennock or Pennox. I can't remember. But anyway, their left handed quarterback is very good. And he put up, you know, ridiculous numbers um against michigan state actually um but i you know the way it's this is written jared i don't have a ton of heartburn with it um i'm surprised oklahoma is 4-0 and ranked 14th and they've got some one loss teams ahead of them um you know and there's some of these teams i just don't know miami's 4-0 um, you know, North Carolina's four and but I think North Carolina will fade. Um, I saw a poll the other day. Um, I believe it was on Yahoo, might have been on the score, but I think it was on Yahoo. And they openly admit that they this is not, we're not saying who we think is the number one team. We're not ranking them like that. Um, because if you did it on their current body of work, Georgia wouldn't be ranked first. They, they wouldn't. I mean, they're natural. it's natural to assume they're number one, and I personally don't have a problem with Georgia being number one or Michigan being number two or pretty much with any of those top ten um, in the AP. But this poll, and they, again, like I said, they admitted it going in. They judge you on your body of work to date this year. And Florida State was number one, again, because of their two wins. Michigan wasn't in the top ten. I think Georgia wasn't, they were eighth or something. So, well, yeah, and the strength of schedule is completely different. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, And you know what? It's a cute way, and it's a diversion, and it got my attention. I, like I said, I don't think by the end of the year that poll this week will <laughs> be very accurate. But I thought it was a cool way to look at it because, you know, it's easy to say, hey, Georgia and Michigan both made the playoff last year, and they're both, they both have a lot of people back. So, I mean, I think that's kind of a, I I agree with the AP poll pretty much, but I I think this other poll that I saw, it was kind of a neat way 
uh, to look at it. And but do you have any heartburn with the APs, particularly with the I'm, APs top ten? Not necessarily heartburn. I you know, as long as these teams are in the top ten, I think you're fine. Because when you're getting that close, you know, it's kind of a coin toss between teams this early in the season. But I, if I were making it, I would do some rearrangements. Um, you know, I Florida State, to me, has, you know, had two games that were too close. Um, so I think I would bump Florida State from fifth to ninth. I would move USC to third and Penn State to fourth. Bumping mm-hmm. back. Texas to fifth, Ohio State to sixth, leaving Washington at seven, um, and, and putting Oregon at eight, and then Florida State at nine. You know, I don't know enough about Utah to say if I would move them or not. Great defense, I, man. I thought Ohio State kind of looked like crap this year, but I think Michigan has too. Um, but with Ohio State, if you're going to put Notre Dame at 11, they've got to be somewhere in the middle of the top 10 if they just beat them. So that's why I think they'd be around six for me. But I, USC, to me, should not be sitting at... Out of all the performances we've seen this year, they shouldn't be sitting at eighth. And Florida State sure as hell shouldn't be at fifth. The, the thing about USC is that their their defense can be had. They're going to put up points, but their defense can be had. Um, I think Oregon's very good. I think I think Penn State's really good. And like I said, that that pains me to say. I think Florida State, to your point, has been extremely lucky. You know, they've they've won two games that they could have easily lost in that Clemson game. They should have lost. Well, and to me, if there's three teams in the top ten that could easily be removed. And I just mean that not based on their record, but based off of how they've been playing. Those three teams to me are going to be Florida State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Because all three of them, when they get on the field, they've got some of the best talent in the country. We haven't seen any of them play. Florida State did like that, played like that the first game of the season. But then after that, they've looked lackluster. Ohio State's not even close to reaching their potential. And Michigan looks like they've been asleep. Yeah, they they haven't looked sharp. And so, I mean, those three teams, yeah, they've got undefeated records, and they are powerhouses for sure. But their athletes are not playing up to their potential. And it's like, you do that against Penn State, against Washington, or you let USC get out to a hot start, you're screwed. Yeah. And I mean, I think Georgia's been asleep too, but they're so consistently dominant that they wake up to who they're playing against. Texas, I got to tell you, Texas impressed the hell out of me because they handled Alabama. They really did. And Texas always gets the athletes. They just haven't been able to harness it. Texas puts a ton of guys in the pros. I think Alabama's going to be the wild card this year because everyone's going to base your strength of schedule on how you played Alabama, and I think they suck. I mean, they don't have a quarterback to save their life. 
I know they're three and one, but they look terrible. I mean, they go three and out all the time. And so with Texas, that uh, Alabama's still got big boys, especially on defense, and they're still hella athletes. Well, yeah. But they can't move the ball. So when you beat them in a f- field position game, I don't think the win counts as much. And that, I'm not trying to knock Texas. I just, they're, they're not as battle tested as I would have hoped, given how good Alabama usually is. That's well, why I'm not sure where to put Texas again, and I'm and it's it, we're it's still early. Texas has yet to do what Texas usually does, which is crumble in games that they shouldn't crumble in, and they haven't done that yet. So, but it's early, so we'll see. Just a couple other things, a few other things that while we're on college football that I wanted to touch base on, yeah, relative to a couple of coaches. You know, the Mel Tucker thing in at Michigan State, you know, it continues to get ugly. I, I'll, I'll say this. I am I am not a lawyer, but I've worked around a lot of lawyers for the last 20 years of my career, a lot, around a lot of lawyers. So I'm familiar with legalese and the legalese that's placed in contracts. And in any kind of an agreement. And, you know, I just, I'm discouraged at the way this has transpired, at what's happened, at what's been admitted to, and how, you know, Mel Tucker, you know, insists that he did nothing wrong. And again, you come, you come into a clause in a contract where that's, that's where you're, you know, that's where you run into things. That, and again, this legalese stuff. You know, there's a lot of backstories or potential backstories in this. You know, there's supposed to be a hearing on the 5th or the 6th. Michigan State announced before, you know, they announced it last week, they were going to fire Tucker. He still owed $80 million. I think that was a huge mistake by the university. I do. I think that was a, you're you're you needed to let that hearing take place, and they've been pushing for that hearing, by the way. And and Tucker has put it off between him and his attorney. Again, I, I'm saying what I'm saying based on what I read and assuming that is fact. Right. So, uh, you know, and I don't have any love for Michigan State, and I've never had any love for Mel Tucker, but I'm trying to, you know keep my head straight about that you know you know so state is saying that they're gonna fire him with cause well again in that contract if they fire him with cause there's 80 million dollar balance or approximately that left on that deal they don't have to pay him and the clause thing is like moral turpitude there's there's a lot of legalese but there's the language is nicely written again as it is for usually the contract holder you know it involves engaging in unprofessional or unethical behavior um let's see there's just a lot of there's a lot of legalese that gives michigan state 
in my opinion, gives them the upper hand in this. Um, you know, and in fact, I think that, you know, like I said, they've, they've kind of jumped the shark a couple of times here. And I think it is an embarrassment. I'm not saying they didn't want to fire him. I'm not saying they weren't happy with him. They rewarded him. You know, he beats Michigan after his, his first year, he beats Michigan. And then they gave him this giant extension because they didn't want to lose him. He was, he had not had the record of that kind of a coach. I mean, they were, I think they were over anxious. I think that was a mistake, but that's, that that's hindsight. <laughs> right. It's 50 exactly. <laughs> but I, I will say that, you know, I think they're allowing themselves to, um, you know, kind of breach protocol and what you're supposed to do to make sure everything goes your way. And I think they're subjecting themselves to some liability. So in the end, it's going to be his lawyer says this, your lawyer says that. You're not you're not going to have to pay him eighty million. I don't believe that in a minute. But you're going to have to pay him something to make him go away. And it might be ten million. It might be twenty. I don't know. And yeah, but that's and, a win at that point. Well, when you want to get rid of him, and you, and you know, and people have brought it up, it's like with the way this thing happened. And again, this is all on the heels of this Larry Nasser thing, which was an atrocious thing. And it went on forever. And w- with it being on the heels of that, you know, I think Michigan State is very anxious to not let this go sour, even more sour. And well, that's why I'm shocked they'd even have to pay him. And I mean, I get it. It's a legal battle. Usually there's a right. settlement of some sort. But right. When you talk about causing harm to the university, just on image alone, I mean. I was looking for that, that quote. I mean, there's the, from the, that excerpt from the contract. But it's what he's it, done. Even. I know we're trying to dance around it, but it's like he, he masturbated on the phone with a yeah, woman. He had phone right? sex with a woman and but supposedly she didn't want it even though we don't know if that's true or not that's all and she didn't hang up and so that that's all well and good figure out whether it was wrongdoing or not or just play and she's trying to take advantage of the situation i hope they get to the bottom of it and they get the truth but regardless of being guilty or not she is a former Sexual assault or rape victim, correct? Yes. And your coach has publicly admitted to masturbating over the phone with a rape victim. Yeah. There is no, there's no masking that. Regardless of how it transpired, whether it was consensual or not, they can figure out. But as far as the image of the university, your image as long as he is there, will forever be that you've got the dick beater around <laughs> rape victims. That, well, that is what it, but, that, but that's for real. And, and again, we talk about how, you know, the white suits of America still, you know, run America, right? The old white suits. Yeah. 
I think it's getting to you be start, less and less, but right, I, well, right. But you get what I'm saying. Even yeah. and I know old white suits is a dated expression, but the old suits, right, regardless of color, gender, whatever, the old suits still run America. Well, it doesn't take very much disdain or disgust from a situation like this, where if you don't handle it and get him out, you lose a bunch of funding. I want to lose a bunch of investors, and so. I think the argument for damage of your reputation is pretty simple and straightforward that if you kept him around your booster programs, all that you might, that might start going away because people are like, wait a second, this guy does this and admits it and you keep him around. Well, I just want to read a couple quotes of these legal legalese things. And these, these are excerpts from the contract. Michigan State told Tucker that he was fired for breaches in his contract and for engaging in, quote, in any conduct which constitutes moral turpitude or which, in the university's sole judgment, would tend to bring public disrespect, contempt, or ridicule upon the university. And if it's now, their sole judgment, then you're... That, yes, yeah, exactly. But again, that's, then that's where the lawyers come in. Just in the same article, the quote from his attorney um, is, he did not engage in unprofessional or unethical behavior or moral turpitude by any stretch of the imagination. That's his attorney talking. So... He admitted yeah, again, to no, masturbating yeah. over the phone. But that's it right there to me. That's the, that's exactly. what if I were the school, that's what I would attack is I would say he could have said no comment and made this stay official business in and out of court and behind the closed doors of the school. But instead, he is publicly admitted to doing so. And that brought shame on our university. So because he willingly provided that information, that to me is what brought harm. It doesn't matter if you think phone sex is disrespectful or not. Talking about playing with your private parts and admitting that in public brings shame on Again, our school. That would void the contract. The university's to me. sole judgment, right? Would that <laughs> yeah. would tend to bring public disrespect, contempt, or ridicule upon the university. Yeah. He shoots, he scores. We done. <laughs> that's yeah I mean, exactly I, and I, I don't think there's much argument to it but like you said there's oh, when well, it's a legal it, battle there'll be some sort of payout and just that's to get why and just in my opinion and hey i'm not a lawyer i i have my opinions about things and like i said i've worked around a lot of lawyers i think when you deviate from the course of action the required course of action by any stretch, you jeopardize your case, and I think that's what Michigan State's done. I think that, you know, the leak which caused this story to go public, because this investigation has been going on for a long time, since February. Right. And the leak that caused it to go public, that's a first mistake. And then when you're trying to get this hearing and you finally agree on a date and then before the hearing you say oh we're going to fire him with cause i think that's another big mistake and i think 
that not it isn't just those two things, but those two things will help for him to get a settlement out of this. And it's going to be, you know, I, I'm, I wouldn't, I, I'll put it out there. It's going to be more than ten million bucks for him to go away. And, oh uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you give, if you get it, and I don't think it'll get up to fifty percent, but if you get away with getting him out the door quietly for anything less than 50% of his contract, I think you take it and run because this can get ugly, even more ugly. Real. And they don't want, they don't want to hang on to it. They want to be done with it, you know, and I don't blame them. I would, you got to shake the shit through the rest of the season so that you can hire a a qualified coach next season. If this keeps hanging over, nobody's going to want to step into this. That's fair. That's fair. But you know, then there's, you know, Ryan Day. Ryan Day, I, you know, after the Ohio State game, he, you know, commented on something Lou Holtz had said earlier in the day about his team's toughness. And Ryan Day acted all pissed off, you know, because Ohio State came back and won the game. They had a nice drive at the end, and they won. And credit to them, it was in South Bend. That That's a good victory, you know. Um I just think that guy's going to blow a microchip, man. I mean, because I think he does read the papers. I think he does hear the podcasts. I think he does, you know, read the, you know, the article, the online articles. I mean, doesn't everybody who coasts off of the coattails of others? And I, well, yeah, you can say that. I, I do think Ryan Day is a good coach. I just, I said last year, I think. I don't think he'll last there very long. But is I Ryan think Day a good choice. coach compared to the coaches that have been at Ohio State? See, I think that's the compare. If you go around the country and ask if Ryan Day could coach a program into success, I would hope that people who know football would unanimously say yes. But if yeah. you're saying at the tier of an Ohio State, a Michigan, an Alabama, an LSU. Do I think he could be successful there? Not a fucking shot. I See, don't I, think I, he's I, that I quality a coach. There. I I disagree with you. I think he could be. I just don't. And and you you, you could. But he be hasn't right. done and, anything since he's been but, at Ohio but, State. But yeah, he has. He's lost two conference games. He hadn't won a national title, and oh. he hasn't won a Big Ten. But title. how strong? How strong is the conference? When you well, when you say when you that your two losses are to State, Michigan, yeah, and the rest and Penn State hasn't been good until this year. Well, Penn State's been pretty good, buddy. They have, and oh, Michigan, but State good in hasn't the, like top five awful. standards. Mm. No, I wouldn't say that. That's but what good I mean. As though, far as not being like in the same opponent. division of a conference, pretty good. When you have Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Michigan in the same division, that's a pretty tough division. It's not the toughest in the country. I think that's the SEC West, but it's a pretty well, tough. Well, that's what I mean, though. Is I think well, if you took that part of if you took that part of the Big Ten and you ran it against the SEC, all of them would have a losing record. You know, Jim McElvain was a, a, an offense coordinator for Steve Spurrier, and he coached, you know, for him, and I don't know who else, and I don't have his resume in front of me. At South Carolina or what? But, Where? No, at when Spurrier was at Florida. Okay. And it, he may have coached for Urban Meyer at Florida too. I don't know. Uh, but I do know that he got a head coaching job at Colorado State. 
and and he like turned them on a dime man that program was good and so then florida hired him back as the head coach and may have been when meyer left in fact i think it was because it was after spurrier coached at florida i think it was urban meyer but he had been the oc there and he had a really good rep and then he goes up to colorado state and lights it up so florida state and they it was almost like the mel tucker thing at michigan state they couldn't wait to fire him he didn't have much success they were good they weren't great um you know and they didn't they didn't have the same level of greatness they'd had under urban meyer for sure and you know he coached for harbaugh they fired him he coached for harbaugh for a year or two and then he took the job at central michigan and he's been there either three or four years maybe even longer and it seems like and they're good they're not I think they've been in the MAC title game. Um, they haven't gone unbeaten or anything. They haven't, you know, di- done what Western did under PJ Fleck or anything like that. But they're pretty good, and it seems like it's a fit. And I'm not so sure. I do think Ryan Day is a good coach, but maybe it is that. Maybe it can't be under the microscope. Maybe it can't be at Alabama or well, Ohio I State just... or one of those high-profile schools. Maybe it has I mean, to be I kinda, something less. I look at it a little bit like, you know, I know it's my belief and I think you share this, but it's like stereotypes exist for a reason, right? Like there's yeah. there's yeah. some sort of truth to them. And I think stereotypes, you know, kind of branch out similar to reputation. And so for him, it's like, I think it was last year when it, when we had the Harbaugh quote, which I think is spot on where he says sometimes people are standing on third base. They think they hit a triple, but they didn't. People are born on third base and think they hit a triple. That that and, was two years ago. Okay, see, I, I, I'm just looking at it on Google, and it said in November 23, 2022, so I have no idea when oh, it actually happened. I, I thought it was two years ago, but... Um, so, yeah. and then, so, I mean, he says that, which obviously that's your rival and that's going to, you know, stoke the flames and all that. But Ryan Day got really upset about that. And I think it's okay to be frustrated and want to get revenge. But when it upsets you to your core, it's because you know it's true. And that's what I think happened with this Lou Holtz comment, because I didn't think there was anything disrespectful about what Lou Holtz said. I thought it was factual and I don't like Lou Holtz. But I thought it was factual, and I think Ryan Day got super upset because it's true. Because he didn't, he didn't say you don't have a tough team. That, that's where I thought the whole misconception was, is Ryan Day tried to say, he's saying we're not tough. It's like, he didn't say that. He said, you've lost to Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Michigan twice, and everybody who wants to beat you does so because they're more physical. That is physical gameplay. That doesn't mean your team's not tough. You might be the smoothest, toughest team on the planet, but if your play style is not physical, you're not going to be able to handle a physical team. And I, I thought do. that was a factual statement. I, 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 about the teams is right, but the everybody wants to beat you part, 
you've lost everybody. Don't you think everybody wants to beat Ohio State? Well, it and says, and lost. everybody who beats them does oh. so because, sorry, okay. I misquoted that. It's, and yeah. everybody who beats them does That's so fair. because they're more physical. Well, you know, they. Which Michigan, is true. <laughs> Michigan two years ago, um, you know, they, they, when Aiden Hutchinson was a senior or in his last year at Michigan. They beat them and they out them. They did. They were, and you know, and Ohio State vowed they're not going to out physical us. And they did the same freaking thing last year. I watched that game, the Michigan game against Rutgers. And I tell you what, we're not like rolling. We're not like hitting on all cylinders yet. But it, if you watch a Michigan game, and I've seen this happen with Ohio State two years in a row, and I hope it happens again this year. Our offensive line wears you down. I mean, I was our telling Melissa line, that. Well, our defensive line has such a rotation, we'll, they'll wear you down too. I mean, we've got like eight guys in a D-line rotation, and they're all pretty good. And our O-line, again, we might be averaging three and a half, four yards of carry in the first half. By the end, we're not. And if we need to run, we'll run. Well, that's and what I we told Melissa. Clock, we'll do it. I said, you know, these games aren't pretty, and they give you concern because we haven't played anybody of, of true merit yet. And that makes you worry because you want to blow these teams out by 60 points, not have a 30-7 to seven game or whatever the case may be. And, and that gives you that concern as a fan. But when you go back through and you watch it, it's almost like Michigan sits there and they go, okay, if you want to score, we'll, we'll keep scoring. But then when you try and play power, run football, which every team will eventually do, then Michigan goes, I would love to take the air out of the ball, please. And it's like they're not steamrolling you. It's just a slow roll. And it's like we're going to go 16 plays, Take seven and a half minutes, go down the field and score. And then when you go three and out, we're going to do it again. And by the time we get to the next quarter, your defense is gassed. Rutgers, and it seems like that's what they did. Rutgers doesn't have the horsepower Michigan does. They don't have the athletes. But they have some good athletes. They do. They really do have some good athletes. They put guys in the pros, man. They do. And Shiano, I just respect him a lot. I think he's a great, a very, very good coach. I, I do. And he's obviously a good fit there. This is his second tenure there. But you can just see it. And he, I listened, again, I listened to his post-game press conference. And it was so similar to the one that he had last year against Michigan. And, and Michigan whacked on him last year pretty good. A lot more, a lot more than this year. There was a lot bigger numbers score, fifty-one to seventeen or something. But he just said, you know, you can't make a mistake against that team. They're too good. They'll make you pay for that mistake. You know, and Rutgers jumped out to a seven-nothing lead with a long. It was a, it was a short pass with a long run for a touchdown, and Michigan had a blown coverage. They had a safety up and. You know, he got by the safety, and it was he, we were toast. Yeah, I think he ran about seventy yards with the ball, and it was just a short slant. But it's like, then after that, it's like you make a mistake, and the 
And by the way, and we're going to start wearing on you. We're going to have relentless pressure because we got enough guys. We got eight guys we can rotate. And they didn't have maybe their best defensive lineman, that Mason Graham, for that game. Yeah, that I think that was huge on the pressure on the QB. Oh, and, and, you know, so then you get – and then you got our O-line. And when, when we got backs that are serious and we got some weapons – that are serious and JJ hasn't looked great this year so far, but you know, uh, I just think that, you know, like I said, I respect Shiano and I listened to his PC and it's just like, and he wasn't kissing Michigan's ass. He just said, it's a really good team. They're, they're ranked second in the country and they might be the best team in the country. Well, and you gotta have, go ahead. Sorry. He just said they're talented. They're well coached. And he goes, if you don't take advantage of your opportunities, it ends up being 31 to 7. Well, and I think you got to have that sense of urgency, especially when you're a team like Rutgers. Like, you you know, this isn't old school football where the game's going to end, you know, 7 to 10 because it was on the ground all day. But we're also not super flashy spread offense that we score 50 points a game. I, I think it's a well balanced team. But when when you're a a school that's not built with the same firepower, you know, like Rutgers has very good athletes, but it's not they, even if they have as good athletes as Michigan, they don't have the depth that Michigan has. That's fair. Yeah. Um, and, and when you get to a point like that, it, it to me one of the biggest mistakes that those schools make is the lack of a sense of urgency. It's like if you get up seven, ten. 14 points. I don't care. Keep playing like you're down because you have to bury them because a team that's well-rounded like Michigan, it's like a boa constrictor. They're going to wrap around you and it gets tighter and tighter and things get harder. And it's like when you get worn down and you didn't have the cushion needed to survive, being up seven points doesn't do shit. I don't think there was a person watching the game that ever had fear of Michigan being in control of that game. Because it's like, man, you could be up about 21, and I might start to get a little nervous, but if we still have a half a football, I'm not worried. And it's, again, there's you, the exhaustion you're talking about, wearing them down. It's like, you've got to keep scoring with that sense of urgency, and you also have to hold the ball on long drives to make sure they can't get it back. Otherwise... You do have to play it perfect. One penalty is going to fuck you. One bad punt's going to fuck you. It's like any of these things, you know, and a turnover's just death. But it, when you have a team that good, and I love being able to talk about Michigan like this because they weren't for over a decade, but when you have a team as good as Michigan is, they when they capitalize on that mistake, it's not, oh, we didn't score. No, it's a 14-point swing. You didn't score, and they scored. Like, well, it's we started, really punishing. We got here starting about Ryan Day, and I and I know we disagree, and that's okay. I think Ryan Day will blow a microchip because of the spotlight, and I don't think Ohio State will fire him. I think he'll leave because I don't think he likes it, and that's just my opinion. I don't know him. I watch him on camera. He's pissed. He's uncomfortable. And by the way. You think he doesn't hear about losing two years in a row to Michigan? He well, hears I think about it every freaking day. 
just to, you know, I guess put a little bit of, or cut down the distance in between our opinions. I think he's a top 25 coach. I don't think he's a top five coach. Well, that's, yeah. So he's that's a fair. very good coach to me. But when you get it to those, like you were saying, spotlight, when you get up in those type of games where the situation's tense and you got to have composure, I don't think he's that coach. I just, uh, like I said, I, and I look for it to be him that just somebody's going to throw a lot of money at him and, and he'll walk. He'll walk. It might, it, you know, they were, I, 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 you hear all kinds of stuff about who's going to replace Mel Tucker. And I heard him talking about that, getting the Freeman from Notre Dame. It's like, he's not leaving Notre Dame to go to Michigan state. I'm sorry. He's not. But that'd be not, a terrible move. Well, for three times the money, he's not. And Michigan state wouldn't pay him three times the money he's getting paid at Notre Dame. Um, but and and or nor nor would they pay Ryan Day that kind of money, and I don't blame them. It's like you know, there's this is why you're one of the reasons why you're in this GM. You overpaid a guy, you did. You extended him, you overpaid to get him, and then you signed him to a huge extension too soon, and th- so that's where we're at. One other coach that I want to talk about, and I don't. We spent way more time on that than I thought we were going to. So I just want to throw my opinion out there about Lee Corso. Lee Corso made another, you know, controversial comment on game day about the Washington State and Oregon State game being the no nobody watches bowl or something like that. And Lee Corso's been, you know, he's done some stupid stuff on air. I don't know how old he is. I mean, we can look that up, but he's got to be in his 80s. I'll I just, take a look real quick. I don't know why we keep they keep propping him up. And sending, I, I I just I'm sorry. I don't. He's he's what? 88. Holy shit! Well, no wonder. <laughs> I mean. The guy's dropped f bombs on the air. Like the he can't keep track of where he is. Like they'll when they do the picks, they'll say, you know, and what and he'll start talking about well, and North Carolina not so fast, my friend. North Carolina always wins at home, shaking his pencil. And it's like, well, coach, we were talking about Oklahoma, Kansas State. It's well, like, and dude, the sad thing is because oh he has so many mix-ups like that, I think that when he actually makes a sound comment, it gets taken out of context because people assume he's losing his shit still. Like, I'm looking at what he said um, about the OSU-WSU game. Yeah. And, and the quote was, no one watches us, Bull. Okay. And, and apparently the other... Um, broadcasters, I think they said Leaf and uh, Herb Street, yeah, were kind of offended by what he said and trying to play it down. Um, and again, this is an article I'm looking at. I did not see this live, but from someone who was watching it said this was the reaction. This is, you know, what everyone thought. But if you actually take into context the full conversation, it's what it sounds like is that he was referring to that both 
uh, Oregon State and Washington State don't have a conference to call home, and that's why nobody will be watching. It's because there's no conference left. So well, it's like again, people aren't peeking into their own. Like, you know how it is. We're, we're Michigan fans, but we'll turn on the Ohio State game see how they're doing. Yeah, and but, so I thought that was the reference, and I'm not, mm, I'm not defending the way he said it, right? So much yeah. of life is based off of the delivery and what the reception is. But well, where even if Herb Street would get the benefit of the doubt if he said that, you're okay, not going to give it to Corso because all of his mistakes he's made. No, in 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 you should. I don't think you should because he's he works for ESPN. So does Herb Street. So does, uh, you know, Reese. So do McAfee, all those guys. They work for ESPN. ESPN and Fox pretty much dismantled the Pac-12. They did. They did. You know, financially, they did. And they picked the plums to go to the SEC and the Big Ten. And... I, the Big Ten got the best out of that deal. Or, I'm sorry, in this case, the Big 12. And some went, I think Cal and Stanford, didn't they go to the ACC? Which, to me, Cal and Stanford, you're on the Pacific Coast and you're going to the Atlantic Coast Conference. This, this all makes sense to me now. I, I, I just, my thing is with Lee Corso, Jared, it's just like, he might be a nice man. He might not intend to cause harm. It's embarrassing to see him out there. Oh, I don't disagree with that at all. And, and that's what I would say about the comment is regardless of his intention in either scenario, whether he's saying those teams suck and nobody watches or whether he's saying they don't have a conference, it is an offensive comment that is not needed at all. No. I, but I do think it was more innocent than what people are making it seem. That could be. And, and you know, and Peter King made a comment in his column about Corso's comment. And he just said, far be it for me to question a coach who had two winning seasons out of 10 years coaching at Indiana. So, well, and, again, and, but again, just, even if he meant it about the conference, it's like, yeah. what the... What do you want Oregon State and Washington State to do? Everybody exactly. left. It's not like they chose it. Yeah. yeah. So why are that's you being right. a dick? I, like, <laughs> thank you. Spit, you know, that's what I mean. Though, I don't think it was that those teams suck. I don't think it was intended to say the players suck, the teams suck. I think it was a shitty comment about the conference falling apart, which at the I end just, of the day is still a super shitty comment. I just, I thought that the, I, there was a gross misconception of people who just briefly read about it because they thought it was him saying the teams are garbage. Just like that comment you just said. I mean, coming from a coach that had this record, blah, blah, blah. That is coming from a place where you think he's saying these teams suck. I, I genuinely don't think that's what he was saying. Now, maybe I'm wrong, well, but I genuinely I just, think he was making a very poor taste comment about the conference or lack thereof. And in either scenario, that's dog shit. I just thought it was something that was misunderstood. My opinion is there's been enough comments. Please, please. 
I'm sure he's a nice person. I'm sure he's a nice guy. Don't trot him out there. I can't believe that they're not afraid of what he might say. I mean, he's dropped an F-bomb when he couldn't get the mascot But it's it's on. TV, right? And you control your own network. So you're not worried just, about the punishment of someone swearing because you control the network. And when he fucks up or stirs the turd like he just did, I have to imagine your ratings went through the roof. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I just, don't you think I've, more people tune in every time he makes a mistake? I could be. I he's not on there. They're limiting his role. He's not, you know, behind the counter as much. You know, sitting at the counter. But with game those guys day has never had a us. bigger day that I can think of than when he said, "Ah, fuck it." I mean, well, they sure. they exploded. <laughs> and I'm not. Ju- I'm not trying to justify. It. I think he needs to be gone. I do think it's embarrassing. I agree with you on all those fronts. I'm just saying, if I had to picture, why the hell would they keep him on there? The only thing I can think of is they make money because of his mistakes. Well, if there's a be. better scenario, please and throw me. And but. they're bleeding money. They're well, bleeding money. They're, they've lost like a billion two years in a row. Yeah, they're that's bleeding bad. money. So and, um, I, uh, we had on here. Before we hop out of college, though, yeah. you had, uh, I thought you wanted to touch on Colorado, Oregon. I did not watch the game. I have not looked at the results, but I thought you just wanted to touch on it. You know, Dan Lanning was pissed, the coach of Oregon. He was pissed. He's tired of all the hype about Dion. He's tired of the things. And I don't know that he said inflammatory things prior to the game, but my assumption is he probably did. I mean, it's Dion. Dion. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's his gig. But you could tell Lanning was pissed. In the pregame talk, I mean, when he was talking to the guys in the locker room, he was talking about Dion, and he's like, you know, he's coaching for clicks. Or he's playing for clicks. We're playing for wins. And, I mean, he was pissed. It's like they played his uh, locker room speech on TV, and it's like, and I, I wanted to play. And I mean, well, I think they, he's right about that, though. I do too. And they proceeded to kick the shit out of them. I mean, they beat them like a rented mule. Any <laughs> any saying you want to attach to how badly they beat them, they did. I mean, they beat them so bad they'd have to get better to die. It was like, and it could have been worse. It could have been worse. I want to say it was 34 nothing at the half, and it was all of that. And yeah. it, they, didn't, they didn't get cheated. Colorado got six points in the fourth quarter to right. finish the game 42-6, to six, and Oregon didn't even – it doesn't even look like they tried to score in the fourth quarter. No, no. They, they took their foot off the gas. But all it was was an awakening. I, Dion even called it a good old-fashioned butt-whooping. Because it was all of that, but again, I admire what Dion has done. He's he and he does he does what he does. He attracts attentions. He he's getting you know recruits. He's getting transfers. He's put Colorado on the map. I mean, they won one game last year. They've already won three. And it's like, but I don't and I don't like his style. I don't I don't like it. But I have to give him credit. But it was like, Mister. 
you got a ways to go. Now, Colorado's moving to the Big 12. Well, Texas and Oklahoma are moving out. But the Big 12's still going to have Kansas and K-State, Oklahoma State. You know, and there's going to be some new members to Iowa State. And there'll be new members, too. And I don't. I want to say Houston's coming, and some others, but uh, UCF. But you know, because all this conference mix-up shit, I can't even keep track of it anymore. But uh, it was a welcome, welcome to big-time college football, and that was a, it was a great message. It wasn't overly exerted, and I don't have any love for Oregon, but I thought they. They handled that well. They got pissed well, and about we talked it. They about did it. something about it. You know, all that was good. I, I love that about a coach, too. When it becomes personal and important, his team responded very strongly. I, I do love that about a coach, but we talked about this, I think, on the last episode where it's like Colorado absolutely has some athletes, but when, when you live on emotion, you die by emotion. And it's like... And I, and I thought I said this on our last episode. It's like when, when you start getting your ass kicked and you have all those egos, all those shit talkers on your team, do they come together and you rally or does everyone get butthurt and you get your shit tossed? And I think everybody got butthurt and they got their shit tossed. Well, and, and you said it about Rutgers and I say that about, I'll say that about Colorado. You, you don't have the depth of Oregon or Michigan. You just don't. You might have some athletes that could play on those teams, even start some, but you don't have the depth. And you don't have, like, you're the 10th best player on your roster would be the 55th best player on Well, that's it. I mean, like, at a program like Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, I mean, you're talking about, like, if it were the quarterback, we might bring it up if it were a backup. But as far as linebackers, defensive line, even to an extent offensive line, and almost any skill position on offense, you don't even think about it when second string comes in. Third, first string, it's just you got too many guys. Now, when you start getting down to third string, either there's injuries or someone who's never stepped on the field, but first and second string are you know synonymous at that point. It's just we have so many athletes that... Not all of them can be on the field at the same time. And so that's where, you know, that when you talk about the depth, it's like with Colorado, it's like you might have 11 starters on offense that could start on Michigan. But if one receiver turns his ankle, you're back up for that guy. That dude, it wouldn't make the team at Michigan. And it's like Michigan will have seven or eight receivers that all could start. Well, and, I know and that's you- just... Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That, no oh. I was going to say is that just is what it is. I mean, that's how the depth is. The, you know, the Lions play. We were going to do a Lions update. The Lions play Thursday, so let's wait on that because they play again Thursday. They play the pack. They've, you know, they're two and one. I have and... one question about that. Sure. Um, you are, you're much more uh, up to date on the, the NFL than I am. So the Lions obviously came off of a disappointing game and they beat the Falcons. Now the Falcons were 2-0 and before they played the Lions. Was that a good win or are they just 2-0 and because their schedule and we should have beat them handily? 
No, it was a good win, and we should have beat them handily. But it was a good win. Our defense just shut them down. And when it got to be 20, we didn't we didn't keep pressing on the gas. We were, we were playing it pretty conservative because our defense just choked them off. We had seven sacks. Bijan Robinson, I want to say, had something like 40 yards rushing. I, he was a non-factor. And we had that Desmond Ritter, who I, I thought was a pretty good quarterback, but he's young. You know, he's in his second year out of Cincinnati. And he was he's young. But we had him. He was. But he wasn't starting the whole year, right? Like no, last he, year it was. He just Mariota. Spot. Yeah, he started and played spot duty last year, but he was kind of sitting and learning. But yeah, this year he's been their starter, and and I thought he was good. But our our pass rush came to life. Uh, it was very physical. Brian Branch. All of our top four rookies played great. You know, uh, Jameer Gibbs uh, had, uh, you know, and again, I'm not quoting, so he had eighty, about 80 yards rushing. He had 80, um, and Bichon on the other side had 33. There you go. And then, you know, uh, Branch was all over the field. That, that Brian Branch was all over the field. Jack Campbell actually had a sack. He played well. And Laporta had 11 catches. I was going to say he was all over. Yeah, that I I saw a highlight. Yeah, so he and had those, eleven. Those but Ahmad St. Brown had twelve. I know, but those four names: Laporta, Campbell, Branch, and Gibbs. Those were all rookies. That's this year's draft, and that's yeah. uh, that's pretty damn good. So we'll get we'll get in more to the Lions. I knew you wanted to touch on the video game score. <laughs> uh, that happened over the weekend. The, the yeah, Miami and the Broncos. So I mean, ahead. what the hell? <laughs> like I, I didn't watch the game, but I, you know, obviously it seems that Russell Wilson can't just stop stepping and shit all the time. Um, so he's constantly in the news for something unpleasant. But then they play the Dolphins, who I have no idea how good they are. Um, but the, the final score is 70 to 20 and whatever social media you're on, it's going to have highlights all over of either the dolphins scoring on a ridiculous play or the Broncos turning the ball over. I mean, that was absurd. The total yards was 726 for Miami to 363 for Den- uh, Denver. Denver had three turnovers and only 16 first downs. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was, they're 0 for 1 on fourth down. Uh, they, you know, they only threw for 294 yards. So they didn't rush for what, 69, I think it was, on 20 <laughs> attempts. 69 rush yards on 20 attempts and they lost two fumbles and then threw an interception. <laughs> I mean, well, it it was a well, highlight. It looked like there was a the the football was a greased pig out there. It was back in back in 1966. Uh the at that time the Redskins and they'll all be the Redskins, always be the Redskins to me. Yeah. Um beat the New York Giants. 72 to 41. And I remember, I did not, I would, did not watch that game, but 
they kept showing the score of that game while I was watching a game, and I couldn't believe it. Now, before that, in 1940, the Bears beat the Redskins again, 73 to nothing in the NFL title game. <laughs> you go to the title game and get beat 73? <laughs> Shit. Yeah. I mean, dude, that how is... hard do you... I mean, that's like a skeleton drill to score 70 points. Well, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> like, 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 here's the craziest stat about this game to me, okay? The final score is 70 to 20. Both teams had 14 drives. So you split the drives in half. Time of possession is 26 minutes to 33 minutes. So you had the how the fuck did they score 70 points? Well they had they had two running backs that each scored four touchdowns. That Mostert and uh Achan. And by the way, everybody calls him Achan. It's it, he said it's Achan. The little guy from Texas AM. Yeah. He's a little little bitty back. He had over 200 yards rushing. But I mean, I was just looking at this stat and I, I, I don't know what the average yards per play are in an NFL game. And I'm not talking rushing or passing. I'm talking combined <laughs> yards per play. But they, including their passing, which was 294 yards and then their terrible 69 yards rushing, they averaged 6.2 yards per play. I mean, that... I would hope a college team could get six yards per play. Well, and and ironically, at the end, because 73 is the all-time points, you know, in that 1940 or 41 title game. And they were deep in their territory, and they could have kicked it. Uh, they had... It was a chip shot field goal. And they would have tied the record for the most points scored ever, and they didn't, which I thought was a class move. Super classy. Yeah. They, they, you know, they took a knee instead of even running a play. Which, yeah, if again, I could have beat the score by one, I kick it. But if I'm just tying it, that's not breaking a record. I'd just take the knee. Well, dude, if they had played more, they would have beat it. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. After my second running back got his second touchdown, I'm going back to air raid offense. We're throwing the ball. <laughs> I, you know, I watched this uh, years ago. This was when I was in college. There was a uh, high school girls basketball in Texas that made the news. Yes. Because the girls team won like 106 to 12 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And they're get everyone's getting mad at the coach. And it's like, wait, you, what do you want us to do? Quit fucking shooting? Uh, by the way, right. in the NFL, we're not designed to run the ball a hundred times a game. And I also don't want to hurt my running backs. Well, that's it's fair. Like, I shouldn't have to punt the ball because you decided not to play defense. And by the way, we got 70 points. So it's not like I'm kicking your ass by 15, 20 points, and I just decide to throw in a touchdown with three seconds left. You never started playing. That's not my fault. Play a little defense. You know, when Joe Paterno was still coaching at Penn State, and it was late in his career, they came to Ann Arbor, and, I mean, Michigan whooped on him pretty good. It's when Carr was still coach, and they whooped on him pretty good. And, you know, and Michigan's got, like, their second and third team in. 
but they're running their offense. And their second-string quarterback and second-string receivers and probably third-string running back marched on the field and score. Next possession, third everybody third team's in. They do the same thing. And it's like they said something to Carr after the game, and Carr just kind of looked at him. He didn't say anything. And then they asked Paterno after the game. He goes, those kids, he goes, that's on us. We have to stop them. Those kids are taking their opportunity to play and show that they can play. And, I mean, I give Paterno a bunch of credit for that. Because, I mean, Michigan did. They ran their offense, but they're doing it with, you know, guys who hadn't even played before. And, and there was still, a, still scoring. I remember that game, and I feel like there was a point in that game where they, they Michigan scored, but it was on a running play with a minute left or something like that. And everybody's like trying to make this a stir in the news. You know, well, why didn't you just take a knee? And I thought Paterno even addressed that, where it's like, I would have found it more disrespectful for them to take a knee because they knew they could score on us, but they didn't. (laughs) And that's how I feel. It's like, man, if if you're not throwing Hail Marys and you're running and you're going to score, taking a knee is almost more offensive. Well, it 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 could be, and it, and it, again, I give Paterno a ton of credit. And when I heard him talking, he was like feisty about it. He was like pissed that you asked. He goes, "That's on us. We yeah, we're supposed to stop pitch, them." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, no, that that's great though. I love that type of that type of coaching style because I I I always wonder how people think that. You, you can draw a line somewhere. Like, when are you safe? Okay, if it's 60 to nothing, probably safe. But how many times have people been up 28 nothing and they lose, like, 35-34? And, oh, yeah. I mean, that's happened. It happens. It, it's like, when do you, why it would we take our foot off the gas? It happens. I mean, Brady always, and Belichick played him, and Brady wanted to play. He played late in the games that they were kicking ass. And he wanted to play, and Belichick let him. And there was Belichick caught a lot of heat for that. But it's like they were out there running their offense, and and again Brady's out there, but he's out there with second team wideouts and second, and he wants to work with them in a live situation. So, I mean, there's a lot of criticism you can put out, but I agree with you. I I admire the fact that you know a coach would appreciate that and say, Hey, that's on us. I wanted to, are do you, do you have anything more on Miami? And no, no, I just wanted to talk about it. I thought it was kind of comical. That was all. And Just one more thing. One more quick thing. Sean Payton, who's made extraordinary criticisms of the previous coaching regime for the Broncos. Like you said, this is one of the worst coaching jobs in NFL history and all that. Yeah. They're all in three and they suck. They just gave up a 70 spot. <laughs> now, I do think Sean Payton's a good coach, and I do think he'll get it turned around, but I, I don't think, think he wants Wilson happen. out of there and is tired of his shit. Well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to happen. But just a couple of personal notes for me before we got it, and we got a couple of stories that I wanted to share with you that I think are amusing. 
Um, everybody knows my buddy Alan. We've talked about him a lot. He just had he had to have surgery last week. Uh, I believe it was Friday. Um, everything went well. Um, and he's home now. But he, we were talking about it earlier today. Um, you and I. I'm sure he's going to come on the podcast with us because I've talked to him about it. And the, the one time when we wanted him to come and hoped he would, he actually got called and ended up having to marshal a he golf tournament. Fucking but, ditched us for a golf yeah, game. Bastard. bastard. But he was he was telling me, and, and I told you today, I haven't even talked to him yet because he said it's really hard to laugh. It's really hard to cough. It's really hard. He had a surgery where he had some of his stomach muscles cut. And uh, it's really hard to cough and sneeze, and I know that. I mean, I had surgery a long time ago. That was the, that kind of surgery, and it is, man. If I'd get surprised by a sneeze and roll right off the couch, I was so afraid it was going to open my chest up or something. So that, but he will. He is home. He is doing well, and uh, it'll be a while. But maybe next week. Maybe I'll, I'll touch base with him. But we got to make it so it's okay for him to laugh because I'm sure he will laugh. And then my buddy Pat, I call him Pat the Black, uh, the glass guy. Pat the Black guy. <laughs> What's up, Pat? Pat this is white Pat. That's Black Pat. <laughs> yeah, and he's the he's my only. And Our he friends, we only know the white Pat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and and he he knows this, and I've said this to his face. He's my only redneck friend. <laughs> Pat the black guy. Pat the black guy. I'm gonna call him that next it. time I see him. I almost did, but I didn't say it. oh that's where you're uh, headed though for well sure. i was for sure but anyway pat has a, a major surgery tomorrow and uh, uh, uh shout out to alan to keep well, to get well soon and good luck to pat on his surgery tomorrow yeah we wish him, him both the too. best so and yeah recoveries. pat the black guy <laughs> <laughs> well whoever that is we wish him luck too yeah. <laughs> stay funny. black uh, all right <laughs> <laughs> Pat the black guy. Oh so, my goodness! We early, early. In we the need year, that on a shirt. <laughs> get his. <laughs> we'll get some silk screen. Well, it'd be a good name for his business. His business <laughs> is called Glass Repair More. <laughs> and I always called him Pat the Glass Guy. And you know, we could just get his shirts called Pat the Black Guy. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so early this year, we you know we have this turkey that in in turkeys there are some birds that mate for life. Turkeys don't. Um, so yeah. we had this hen that was just hanging around outside, and we've talked about where we live. We live out, and we got a little bit of property, and you can see wildlife. It's pretty cool. We have. Uh, this turkey had chicks, and they're either called poults, P-O-U-L-T, or chicks. Well, anyways, I'm going to call them chicks. This turkey had chicks, and she had, I can't remember if it was five or seven. And they're, uh, they have hung around our property all year. This morning, they walked within 30 feet of our front door. 
And there's usually 11 in the group. I think there's the hen. I think there's some chicks from last year. And then there's all five or so from this year. And there's usually 11 in a group. Okay. They have been literally up to the... I'm sitting down in our basement looking out the patio doors. I can send you a picture. I, I, maybe I have. They were literally up to the doors looking in the basement. You know? That's awesome. And and <laughs> hello. And, and and they don't bother the garden. I had to kick them out of it once and they haven't come back. And my garden's just about done anyway. Hellacious crop of tomatoes, dude. A hellacious crop of tomatoes. But anyway, these turkeys, there's an albino in the group. Do you know that an albino turkey uh, uh, I, I looked it up this morning. I've seen that albino turkey in that group twice. And albi- the, it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see an albino turkey in the wild. I've seen one in that group twice. There, one in every 100,000 turkeys are albino. And we have that. It, now, that turkey hasn't been in our yard, but it's been on our property. It's like been in the hay field out towards the road. Yeah. I've seen it out there, but that's just crazy that those things, and they've hung around all year and you have to kind of move them. I mean, they don't, it just depends on how you carry yourself when you go walking around outside. Sometimes they'll take off running. Sometimes you'll get within 20 feet of them and they won't, they're just sitting there picking. You know. I think they're like deer though. I mean, they kind of realize, oh, we don't get shot here. No, and it's and I throw them rotten tomatoes out of the garden. I'll throw them out in the yard so that they can pick at them. So you said and it only happens one in every hundred thousand to have an albino turkey. That's so how, how often is it to have a retarded rooster? <laughs> it's not what our neighbors have. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's another our- one someplace else. We just heard one. Well, we, our neighbor, when we moved in, we've got neighbors on our left, our right, and behind us. And the neighbor behind us, yeah, uh, he's yeah. a very nice guy. He he was just telling me that our neighbors to the left of us, um, they had a fox getting after their chickens. And they have two dogs, but their dogs are little and they get scared by the fox. So they got a rooster. They were told to get a rooster and that it would warn all the chickens when the fox came. but also. Because the rooster would be more inclined to fight if the fox got anything, it'd get the rooster, not the chickens. This is the story I'm being told. I know okay. nothing about it. When That's right. when the neighbor behind us tells me about it, I look him right <laughs> in the eyes and I go, "Is it broken?" <laughs> he, he goes, "Well." I mean, he goes off at all times of the day, not really consistently. (laughs) And I go, so it's broken. (laughs) Now, I thought this thing would be annoying, you know, like a 2 a.m. Right. You know, whatever noise they make, the rare up that they make. Yeah. It's like, I thought this thing would be annoying as hell. It's comical. Oh, yeah. Not only is it totally fucking random. I mean... A car drives by and it goes off, but it has nothing to do with the sun or dinner time. But it's like 
it's like a dying squeak toy. Like it doesn't even sound right. I mean, this thing is totally fucking broken. All I can think of when I hear it, it's this bad. If you've ever seen the movie Moana, the chicken that's on the boat, this is the rooster. (laughs) I mean, it is. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) did he he have a stroke? We've got, dude, we've got one of those and we've got that peacock. That's, you know, the neighbors. I like that, that thing, peacock. That thing goes off all the time. And the rooster does too. It's Whoa. like two, two in the afternoon. The rooster. Er, er. Yeah. <laughs> I just love like, the one dude. next to us. Cause it sounds like something <laughs> terrible happened every time it goes off. Like it's somewhere between either a squawk in the middle of it going off or it's batteries are dying. <laughs> it's like no. <laughs> it's just like what? What was that? <laughs> well, he's still around, so the fox didn't get him. Well, I think the fox might be scared of what he's got. He doesn't want to catch it. <laughs> I mean, so, that is a special breed of stupid. Awesome. It, so yeah, any- <laughs> I, I want to figure out what his name is and go see him. <laughs> That's funny. So you know, I've talked about the power outages we've had and. this year which is unusual we haven't had this and one of the outages in fact the most recent one that we had while i was on the bike trip was because of our one of our trees part of one of our trees fell down and it fell on a wire and it knocked the wire kicked a breaker and knocked the wire down and so we were out out of power for a while well they got everything repaired, you know, by the time I got home and, or no, it was like, I think we got it back sometime Sunday because we still didn't have power. We had, we were still running off the generator when I got back from the bike trip. But anyway, the part of, so I cleaned that up, you know, the, the limb, which was substantial in size. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at the pile of wood that got created out of that tree and heck it's, uh, it's like a face cord of wood, real close to a face cord, which is four feet high, eight foot long, 16 inches deep. And okay. it's real close to a face cord. So that was a good sized limb. Well, when I looked at that tree, you know, and they put the wire back up, but I looked at that tree and where that branch had fallen out, it tore so much of the tree out, that tree wasn't going to last. So, and I was afraid that the next heavy wind, that tree was going to fall down. We were going to have the same thing happen. It was going to fall on the power line again. So I had on a Saturday, (laughs) this was two Saturdays ago, I had gone, (laughs) I went outside and I had a bunch of grass seed to place and topsoil to place. And I used the tractor and hauled the topsoil and raked it. And I got some straw and I seeded it and I, you know, placed the straw. And and our neighbor, Phil, who I just love, and he's so stern about everything. He had loaned, he had given me the, he had some extra grass seed that he had given me. And, um, and he gave me a cedar, like one of those little hand cedars. Yeah. So I finished that and it's about noon, you know, and I figure I'm done for the day, man. It's like I've worked outside for two or three hours. 
and I, I returned the cedar to Phil and we're just sitting there bullshitting. And I told him, I go, yeah, I said, I'm going to have to, I said, are you good with a chainsaw? And he goes, I'm pretty good. You know, and I mean, I'm okay, but I, when I'm following a tree of substance and this was a tree of substance, uh, I'd rather have somebody with me with more experience and I'll do whatever I got to do. So he goes, yeah, I know how to fall a tree. And I said, well, you know, sometime I want to get with you and we'll cut that tree down. I said, I, I'm afraid it's going to blow down again. And we're going to lose power again. So your mom's grocery shopping. I'm like I said, I'm about halfway into a cocktail. I'm in shorts. I'm going to chill for a minute. Your mom comes driving in with groceries. <laughs> Phil comes driving in with his bobcat. He goes, you ready? (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. Yeah. So I said, let me help her with the groceries. So he drove his bobcat down there and waited by the tree. And it's, have you been out here since we've cut it? Because it was right, right on the corner by that, where that cross tie sticks up on the curve. Yeah, I can't. It was the tree. Yes, I have been there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Phil's got his bobcat. I end up, I take the mule down there and that's not the right tool. I'm going to take my tractor and I'm going to push on it with the bucket after he cuts a wedge out of the bottom. And so when he starts cutting it again, it'll fall the way we want. You guys didn't want to root it or what? Well, we wanted to make sure that it didn't fall backwards. And so I was going to push with the bucket of the tractor. The tree was perched up on this little knoll. Yeah. I couldn't get my tractor up there and get the bucket to get to it. It was too steep. So I go and get a hundred foot of rope, <laughs> this nylon rope. <laughs> I threw the thing up in the tree. We, you know, lassoed it, got the rope around the tree. I take the tractor, I hook the other end of the rope to the tractor bucket, and I'm backed up way out in the field at a 45-degree angle, pulling on this tree while Phil, and who's 70 years old, still active as hell, but while Phil cuts this down, and and everything, everything went off great, nobody got hurt, big tree falling. Your mom's standing there watching this whole thing transpire from our front porch. And I think she was laughing and taking pictures. But I told Phil, you know, it's like, well, (laughs) two engineers worked together on something and nobody got killed. (laughs) (laughs) For real. (laughs) This is a good thing. (laughs) But, you know, and he's got the bobcat with this. He's got a claw bucket on it. Like yeah. a grapple bucket. Shit, dude. He had that tree cleaned up in like 20 minutes. And I gave him the bulk of the wood. I, did, I didn't want it. In fact, I gave, I think I gave it all to him. But Well, that's why I, I was wondering if you guys just didn't want to like make a hole or a mess. Because I figured you'd go up behind it, trench your bucket down, and tip the tree over by ripping its roots out of the ground. And then you guys would just quarter it on the ground. Oh. He'd use his bobcat oh. to take it. Yeah, those roots are too deep. You can't tip it like that. He had a root. He has a root bucket for that bobcat that we've used, 
yeah. to take out those little pear tree roots and shoot. Those were five or six feet deep. And it, he had to horse to get those out. Like this tree, if I, he cut the stump off pretty flush. So I'll, if I want to get rid of it, I'll have to drill some holes in it and either start burning it out by letting fuel oil soak or something flammable soak in it or put some salt in it and that'll help it kill. Yeah. I didn't know they went much deeper. I I just assumed, I guess that they went wide and not down. Yeah, the, yeah, they they all go because water's so deep here and it's sand. Well, you got sand. Yeah, yeah, that's what I forgot about. You got. But sand. anyway, that's my tree falling story and my neighbor who I just I dearly love and he'll again. I thought I was done for the day, you know. I mean, it had my, to have been comical to watch. <laughs> it was kind of funny. It was kind of funny, but it fell. It pretty much it fell some in the road, but. I mean, there was no traffic or anything. And uh, I immediately unhooked the rope and I got on, you know, got back on the tractor and ran around and pushed it out of the road real quick. And like I said, he walked through that tree and had it limbed out in five minutes. And then that's awesome. And then, you know, he took, took all, he took most of the brush, like JJ and I have another brush burn pile. I burned that huge one already, but. There's another one, and it's from that tree. And Phil took all the big wood, which I was glad to give it to him. So it all worked out. It, it was, and like I said, it was fun. I was tired, but it was fun. But anyway, that's all I got for today, and that's all my that's all my tree cutting story. That's your story, and you're sticking to it. And I'm sticking to it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, sounds good. Um, I, I'm good to end there as well. I'm sure we'll catch up again next week and we'll figure out when we can get Alan on here. Maybe we'll get Jacob on as well. Um, But on that note, to all of our listeners out there, be safe, be smart, make good choices and peace out. Love you, dad. Love you too, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye.